Bishop, and you're listening to the Office Print Visionaries podcast, the show where we go behind the scenes with IT teams who are looking for a different way to deliver print. My guest today is Keith Houghton, product owner of UK GovPrint. In this episode, Keith talks about how to plan the transformation of a print environment at a scale that most of us can barely imagine. The UK government has over 5 million employees. He'll talk about the UK government's print maturity model and offer up some thoughts on the future of printing and talk about the challenges facing vendors in this space. So Keith, welcome to uh, Office Print Visionaries. Really excited to have you here. I um, wonder if we could kick off with a bit of an introduction. You tell the listeners about you and your role and, and what you're working on. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me and thanks for giving me a chance to sort of talk about some of the work I've been doing. Um, I actually fell into printing about 23 years ago. It wasn't, it wasn't my first sort of uh, um, job and it wasn't my first love, but, but to be honest, having been in for 23 years, you can't seem to get out of it. It's one of those industries, once you're in, that's it. I, I actually trained as a zoologist, so I've got a PhD in zoology. Um, but which, uh, yeah, I don't know quite how I got from, from animal behavior to printing, but, but I did. But I've been in the industry since 98, so I've worked for a couple of manufacturers and I've also worked in the channel as well. So I've seen it from both perspectives in terms of from a manufacturer trying to sell tin through the channel in terms of you know how to sort of put that tin into organisations. So I've been in quite a few different areas and it's particularly interesting that difference between the channel and the manufacturer. But as I say, it's, it's been an interesting 23 years, but the last 10 years, um, myself and a colleague have been working as independent consultants. So we're, our aim is to work with clients to say, right, let's help understand what you need so we can help you get the most out of the industry rather than the industry big boys trying to push their solutions and, and, and their services onto the customer. So we, we're trying to, it's almost like coach turn gamekeeper or the other way around. I can never remember which, which way around it is, but it's trying to use our experience working in the industry to actually help the users to get the most from the industry, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so tell me about your current role, your current project. You're you're working with the UK government, right? That's right, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been working in central government probably for the last sort of going on for three years on, on a number of different projects. Um, and the current one, which we're doing for the last yeah, two years or so, is, is looking at how we can implement shared printing across multiple government departments. Uh, I'm sure the UK government's the same as most other most other um, governments in terms of every department has their own IT, their own buildings, their own everything. And there's a big push within the UK to try and get away from that. And, and, and particularly around the buildings, instead of organisations or departments having their own building, there's a shared government estate. So we've got a shared government estate of buildings and people from any department should be able to go in there and use those buildings and access their IT services. So that's that's been the big push over the last couple of years is, is how do we introduce a shared print service into buildings where we've got multiple departments with multiple IT. So that's been a, a, an interesting challenge, should we say. And, and give our listeners a sense of scale. So how many how many devices are we talking about if we consider the whole UK government, for example? Well, if we consider the whole UK government, we're talking of tens of thousands of devices. Um, just as an example, this year in the UK, there's been two major um, print contracts that have gone out. One was for an organisation that's got 40,000 devices. Another one is for an organisation that's got, I think, about 15. 
Now, obviously, we're not working at that scale at the moment, but that's the scale we want to get to if we can start sort of getting more shared services across government. And that's the aim is how can we get a shared service within the buildings that GPA manage, Government Property Agency, and how can we get this 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 solution to get sort of wider across government? And that that's been this whole government project is is how do we get the incremental steps that can move us from every organisation having their own service through to a wider scale shared sort of government service across the whole of government or as much as government wants to take part in it. Uh, and so uh, it, it sounds almost insurmountable. Where do you even start with a challenge like that? Is it is it technology? Is it existing contracts? Is it service it's a, Yeah, it's a combination of all those things. And, and, and you're absolutely right. But the risk is it seems too big. Um, and you think, where, where do you start? So we are we're trying to start small and scale up, but also bring other organisations with us. So GPA has a target to roll out. I think it's some, over the next 10 years, we've got something like 15 or 20 hub buildings. Um, we've already rolled out four, and the service is going into those four, but it needs to expand some more. And, and they will be buildings all over the UK. And within those buildings, the aim there is to provide a shared IT stack. And one of those shared services is, is printing. So again, the, the aim really is to start small and see how we can expand that. Um, and we're doing a lot of work at the moment. And, and some of it is, is not around the technology. Some of it is around the hearts and minds of people. Mm-hmm. One of the problems has been is that, like I said a minute ago, everybody wants their own service at the moment. And we've come up with this print maturity model, which describes how how we can get from where we are at the moment, where everyone has their own service, to a wider scale gov print where everyone can can share a service. And the steps we need to go through to get to that, because it's not going to be a thing that suddenly gets turned on. It is going to be something that gradually builds and scales and we get more and more people using it and it gets bigger and bigger. And that's the approach. It's, it's the old adage of how do you eat an elephant, isn't it? You, you do it bit by bit. Yeah. And that's what we're doing is starting small, getting it working, and then gradually getting more and more people on board by, by bringing those government departments on board with it and saying to them, don't buy your own service, join our service or consume our service. Or at least if you do go and buy your own service, make sure your service can interoperate with ours so we can build this bigger government ecosystem across the whole of, of government. And so when you talk about hearts and minds, is the hearts and minds of the IT organization, the, the buyers within government, or, or actually the, the people doing the jobs, people responsible for the workers? Again, it's like most things. It's a combination of things, isn't it? You know, we have to get the hearts and minds of the IT people. In, in some respects, that's usually one of the easier things. And, and particularly, one of the reasons why it is easier is that the way we're trying to deliver our service is through the cloud. And the cloud, for once, cloud has, the, the migration of printing from on-premise to the cloud has made printing exciting and interesting to a lot of IT people. Mm-hmm. In the past, printing was just, oh, God, this ball ache of, of, a, of a solution. I've got, you know, oh, I just want to get rid of it. And now they can move it to the cloud. They're interested in that. And, and also, if I'm honest, Microsoft bringing out universal print, that, that's kicked up the market a little bit and, made, and brought printing up, up the agenda for the IT side. But probably one of the bigger areas is is talking to procurement. You know, procurement are used to this this cycle of every five years, my contract runs out, I go out to tender for a new contract, and I get a supplier to come in 
I chuck all my old stuff away, I buy a new service, and I put a new service in, I run that for five years, I then do it again. And all I try and do each time is get a new service with slightly less devices and slightly cheaper. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that procurement cycle, I think, is one of the things we need to need to break to make people think it's not just about buying a whole service. There's a lot more to it, and there's a lot more thought that needs to go into what do I need my print service to deliver? But, you know, what it did five years ago is not what I need now. So how do I get a service in that gives me that flexibility? So it, 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 IT is the easy bit. It's, it's the procurement in the hearts and minds that's the harder bit, I think. Uh, and so how how can you start really that path of guiding a procurement team who's used to doing something five-year cycle, rinse and repeat? Is this a TCO conversation? Is this a wider government strategy conversation? How, how do you start to get those guys aligned? It starts off as a, as, a, as, a, as a strategic approach. So at the moment, we've got a project. There's a couple of projects or programs within government that are looking at how we can have more interoperability and more working together. A lot of this came out of, of what's happened with COVID, where people realised, you know what, government departments aren't working together. They're all going off and doing their own thing. And there's potentially a lot of benefit of us working together. So one of the things we've done and, and we're doing at the moment is, is we've put together a GovPrint product strategy. So we've rolled out a service for the first few hubs and we're now looking, well, what's our vision for the future? Where do we want this thing to go? And and we've put that, that strategy together and, and we're now talking to people. We're going, we're talking to suppliers and we're talking to government departments and saying that this is the vision that GPA have for this wider shared printing across government. We're going on this journey and we're delivering these things over the next three, four, five years. You know, who else wants to come along with us? And, and it, it's not about a one size fits all either. It, it's about, yeah, we can all be going on this. I hate to use the word go on the journey, but it, it is about a journey. It's not about building a single service that everybody uses. It's about how do we, how do we migrate? everyone having their own service to this wider government ecosystem where lots of organizations can all work together and lots of solutions and services can all work together. And so, so effectively the challenge you're trying to take on is it's not just about understanding the customers and the buying cycles and getting IT on board. You've also got to get the suppliers and the manufacturers of the industry aligned around this vision as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, as I say, we've been doing this work for the last two or three years. That's probably yeah, getting up to three years now. And when we first tried to do a solution for the first hubs, there were no solutions out there that did what we wanted. You know, we needed a solution that would allow us to have multiple organisations, multiple sources of identity, to be able to support um, zero trust networks. Those kinds of things were things we were looking for in the market, and, and there was nothing about. And it took a while for the market to catch up and for more and more cloud print services to be available for us to actually find products and solutions that would meet our requirements. And what we don't want to do is do the same thing again, is we have this vision and we have to wait for the market to catch up. We'd rather say to the market, look, this is the journey we're going on. This is the kind of thing that that the UK government is going to ask the market to deliver. So take it away, think about it, and think how you can get your products to start working in the ways that that we want want them to work. So, you know, it's, it's about, you know, there's two prongs to it, isn't there? There's getting the market to deliver it, and also getting government departments to open their eyes to more flexible ways of working and getting away from this every five years to throw everything out and start again. 
And so if you were describing that strategy, that, that journey, what is the vision? Take me through how that, how that hangs together and what the steps look like. As I mentioned, we, we've put together what we call our, our print maturity model. And, and there's three stages to it. So stage one is what we're calling individual print services. And that's where most people are at the moment. Every department, it's not, it's not just in the public sector, it's everywhere. You know, every department has their own service. They've gone out to procure their service for their users in their buildings, and, and, and that's it. And that's where most people are at the moment. The second stage is what we're calling group print services. And, and that's where organizations with a common need come together. Um, so, for example, GPA have a need to provide a government service in their hub buildings for any clients, any organizations that are coming in there. So we've got a group of organizations that we have to deliver a shared service to. So that, that's where we are at the moment. There are other, there are other organizations doing some of the things, large, public, large uh, departments that are hosting smaller departments. They need to provide a shared service across all of those organizations. There's, there's increased... Give me, an example of, give me an example of the organizations, just to be specific on a couple of, like, which are the departments that would be sharing a print infrastructure or would be sharing, using shared services? So, so uh, say, for example, um, organizations like um, HM Treasury, they, they have buildings where they are hosting smaller departments. And those smaller departments, you know, they have to put a service that can meet the requirements of multiple, multiple departments. So that's quite common in, in the UK government where you have, in the past, where you had buildings where it's a big department hosting a smaller one. But we're now moving away from that to being more generic shared buildings where it's, you know, I've got a building and I might have five, six. I think one of our buildings, there's possibly 15 organisations coming in. So it, it's a scale up in terms of the, that sharing. But what we need to do is, is provide a service that meets all of those. And so you, you're, you're actually describing, I think, real estate in some ways, directing technology to say the real estate plan is changing, yeah. the technology is going to need to adapt, and this is the, this is the set of requirements. Absolutely. The work we're doing is actually part of, a, of the UK government's One Estate program. So that is about creating one estate for the UK government. So it's not about departmental level buildings. It's 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 you know it's public sector building. Therefore, why can't public sector users work in those buildings? You know, work smarter, work more efficiently. So it, it is about looking at what are the kinds of services we need to deliver in those shared buildings. But say going on from on from that, you know, with, with our model, what we're doing now is exactly for that bit, that. But what we want to do is go that next step into stage three, which is shared print services, where we can link all of these things together to create a wider ecosystem across government. So GPA might have our service for all of the clients that are running in our, our hubs. Another government department might have their service, but those services can, can interoperate and work together. So if I'm normally working in a GPA hub and I send my print job to my print service, I can go in another building and I can retrieve that print job. Mm -hmm. But very similar to within, again, within, within the UK government, there's, a, there's been a project called, or a service now called GovWiFi which is a guest Wi-Fi service that once you've registered, you can go into a huge number of government buildings now and access a Wi-Fi service on the internet. So users can roam across the government estate. And that's exactly the kind of thing we want to do for printing. But it's a bit more difficult. <laughs>
So, so talk about the difficulties in terms of the industry, because I, I think, I think it's really exciting in a way to see other technologies and other other things being rolled out, and then starting to put pressure on print to change, starting to put pressure on print to evolve and, and to adopt more modern methods. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and the hubs is a good example of that because within within the GPA hubs, one of the things we want to do is to create a shared IT platform. And that will comprise a number of things. One of them is the shared print service. There'll be shared um, audio-visual. There'll be shared uh, network. And it's the shared networks are really interesting one underpins all of this. And, and that's the thing that also means that printing needs to change. Because with the shared network, all of these government buildings, there won't be this concept of the corporate network anymore. It will be a shared network, and you've got access to the internet and you get all of your services through the internet. Mm-hmm. So this whole move away to, you know, to, to kind of like zero trust, software-defined networks, all that, that's where all of these buildings are going, and it's forcing printing to change. You know, the, the, the traditional way, the traditional solutions don't work in that environment, and the only way it works is in the cloud. I think it's quite a it's quite a nice example, a practical way to start to describe zero trust, because as I as I've looked at it, and I'm I'm not a technologist by any stretch, it, it feels like it's it's a conceptual idea, and it's interesting as a concept, but actually, is it real? And I've yeah, I've yeah. started to started to see customers saying, I just want to get rid of my network altogether. Like we don't want to run a private network anymore. We want to run the internet, have yeah. provide connections to the internet, but after that. We kind of want nothing to do with it, and it's it's an interesting step for to describe the technology challenge of hey, there's no network anymore. Now, how do you roll out these fixed hardware devices into that world? And, yeah. and I think it frames nicely. Well, what does zero trust mean? It's not really about about network policies and all of that stuff. It's about I'm getting rid of my private network. Now I need these devices to be accessible, but also secure. And how do we yeah. balance? Absolutely. And the problem with, with zero trust, it can mean different things to different people. And, and, and for example, within, within our hub buildings, the, the ultimate goal there with our shared network and the way we want to do networking is if a government department wants to move into a hub, all they have is access to the internet. They will have a Wi-Fi connection with access to the internet and they have to consume all their services through that. Other services in the building, like the printers, they can't see those printers in the building because there is no route to them in the building. They've got a route out to the internet. Those printers, they they can't talk to anything apart from the internet. That's the only thing they've got. If I'm going from one building to another, there's no wide wide area network linking building A to building B. It's just there's the internet. And, and it, you know, more and more organisations are going down that route, but it, it really throws out the traditional way of printing. It just goes out of the window. You know, again, another example within the hub buildings, there's no equipment room for servers. A department coming in there can't bring print servers with them. They've got a connection to the internet. And that's it. It's... I think you you start to to get into that last piece of the hearts and minds conversation, which I think will be the toughest, which is I'm an end user. I'm in the building. I'm stood two yards from the printer, but I can't print to it because there's no, we're not on a common network with the printer. Uh, yeah. And for the user, if, if that experience is wrong, the user is going to be so frustrated, like 
but I'm I'm physically stood here. I can touch it. I can collect the paper. What do you mean I'm not connected to the same network? Yeah, absolutely. But in, in some respects, we want to actually go beyond that in, in terms of saying, I'm in a building, there's a printer, I can print to it. It doesn't have to be my department's printer. It's a printer. So therefore, why can't I submit my print job to the service, go up to any any printer, MFD, whatever you want to call it, and, and say to the service, oh, I'm at this device, can I have my print job, please? And that that's ultimately where we're trying to get to. Is that, that the user can roam and, you know, so, you know as, as I say, submit their print job, walk up to any MFD, authenticate, and, and authorize the service to release the print job at that device. But that device may not be connected to their, their service. Yeah. It might be connected to somebody else's. And, and so the user experience, if you get that right, the user experience ceases to become, oh, the print's a bit of a pain, or I'm not in my home location, and starts yeah. to be, I know my password, or I've got my security badge, I can print and access services anywhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's the long-term vision. It, it, you know, we're, we're a long way off that, obviously, but we're getting that way. We, with, with what we're calling these group print services, Users can. So in, in the hub buildings, I might be a user that is normally in, in building A, but if I then go to building B for whatever reason, I can still pick up my, my print jobs. I can still submit jobs and pick them up. There's no there's no wide area network to transfer those jobs. Everything gets transferred through the cloud service. So we're starting to get there, but it, it's about how do we get from just being able to collect my or collect my jobs from any device connected to my service to a point where I can get my print jobs from any device connected to any service which is part of the GovPrint ecosystem. And there's an assumption in there that I think both you and I are making as standards. It doesn't matter what the brand of device is as well, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Don't care what network and I don't care what brand. I just want my print out. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it is about, well, it, the, the, I know this might sound bad to some people, but the tin's the tin. You know, at the end of the day, I, I know manufacturers will say their tin is better than everyone else's tin, but if you go and talk to five manufacturers, they will all have the reasons why theirs is better than someone else's, and they're not. In the same way, if I buy a laptop or you know a, a, a desktop or a laptop from the major manufacturers of desktops and laptops, they're all more or less the same. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there might be some small differences, but their their hardware, their technology, the clever stuff is the software. Same on, on laptops, the clever stuff that you work with is the software. I know there's a lot underneath it that make, that makes that software work, but it should be the same on on in printing. Is that the hardware, the tin, should just be a platform to run software, and as a user, I should be able to run any software I want to on that on that print on that MFD. And, and, and I think so, that's, that's another big change we want to move to. What do you think the challenges are specifically for the manufacturers in terms of implementing that? <sighs> if I'm honest, it's, it's a disruptive idea because there are more and more hardware vendors that they, they know that the clever stuff is the software. I, I know I know the tin is clever and there's a lot of stuff underneath that you don't see. But from the user perspective and from the buyer's perspective, the clever stuff is the software. And that is the hook to get the buyer to buy their tin is the software. So I'm sure they won't like the idea of saying, right, I just want to buy tin and run whatever software I like on it. But the analogy I've always used when I've, I've spoken to people about it is, is it like if I go and buy my laptop from HP or 
or Dell or Lenovo, they don't tell me what software I can run on it. I can go and download and buy whatever software I like and run on that on that platform. Mm-hmm. And I, personally, I don't see why printers can't be the same way. And and that that's where you know it would be great to get to that that I can buy my tin and I can run whatever software I like on it because it's a software that's the clever stuff. But the dare I say it, the, manu- the tin manufacturers are not going to be very happy with that. But but I think it's a in some respects the the future that you're painting creates some opportunities, right? Whether I'm a manufacturer, software, hardware, it, it kind of doesn't matter because that disruption will start to create new service delivery models, new procurement models for customers. And, yes. and actually, as the technology evolves, there are going to be certain organizations that are going to come out winners because they're better evolved potentially to cloud services, right? Uh, absolutely. And, and I think one of the problems for the for the manufacturers for the hardware industry is they they want to move away from the tin they want to move into the software they want to move into document management they want to move into all of these things but they're almost like held back by saying yeah we've still got factories we've still got to produce tin now as that demand for tin goes down and it's going to go go down dramatically because of covid i know a lot of people will say that the print volumes will pick up and, and they will do but there's no way they'll get back to the same levels as they were before the print volumes are going to go down so it is going to be a question i am going to be selling less tin there is going to be less tin sold there are going to be more and more organizations that are going to say right my volumes are going down i want to spec my assets i want to spec my tin i don't want to throw it away after every four or five years i've still got two years worth of life left in that tin I'm not getting going to get rid of it now. I want to sweat it until I until it's it's had it because it's the software that's clever. So I, th- I think particularly what's happening with COVID it is going to make the manufacturers have to think about what their business model is. Is it still tin and I try and use software to buy, get people to buy tin, or do I finally recognise that the writing is on the wall for tin? Whatever anyone thinks, print volumes are not going to go up. You know, they, they, you know, in the past, they've gone down slowly, but COVID has really made people think, do you know what, I don't need to print anymore. You know, and, and when I go back into the office, yes, I'll be able to print a little bit more, but not not like I used to. So that the manufacturers are really going to have to think about where their, where their revenue is going to come from, because it's not going to be tin. So, so let me push you a little bit on the procurement model then. So if I'm, if I'm a government entity, how will I how will I buy tin? Will I buy on a per user basis? Do you see those kind of consumption models picking up, moving away from cost per copy and just saying how many users have you got? Will will bill you on a service rate? I'm not sure. I know I know there's a lot of people that, that push for the to, to move away from a cost per page to a cost per seat. But in my head, I still don't quite know how that works. So one of the big problems with a, with a print service at the moment is there's a lot of capital tied up in, in providing that service. So that capital has an impact on the financial models that can support it. And you know, MPS, people sell managed print service, but in most cases, I may have a bit of a jaded view on it, but in most cases, people are, using, are selling MPS, they're selling a finance model. They're not mm-hmm. selling a service. They'll, they'll talk about the service, but a lot of it just comes back to that finance model. So I, I think, dare I say it, you know, going back to what I said earlier about buyers are going to have to start thinking, do I want to replace everything every five years? Or do I want to think about, right, my tin, actually I'm going to buy that tin or I'm going to lease it with, it with so I can keep it for longer. 
Um, so I don't get stuck after five years, that all has to go out. I can actually say, right, I've got to the end of five years, my tin's still working. My volumes have gone down, I don't need as many devices, so I'll get rid of some. But the ones that I've got that are any good, I'm going to keep for another year, two years, three years. So the, the kind of contract models need, we're going to change, I think. So, so I feel like you're, you're starting to get towards this interoperable multi-vendor environment. And and I think you're going to end up with blurred lines of it's not the end of the contract at five years, everything's out, everything's in. Yeah. Actually, probably far more in-life management for the customers in terms of, okay, this device has been working hard, we're getting rid of it. This device has got a specific technology advantage for this building, we're bringing it in. And they'll actually be making far more kind of mid-contract changes if, if I'm taking it to a logical conclusion. Yeah, no, that, that's that's absolutely absolutely right. And, it, and again, it comes back to I, I know I used the analogy earlier on about laptops and the fact of, of, of the hardware is 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 taken away from the the, the software and the tin. It's the same with laptops. If you go into a big organisation, they don't every five years refresh their whole laptop fleet. They have a rolling program, don't they? So over a period of time, you know, stuff gets to the end of its useful life. I bring some new stuff in, and there's a rolling program of keeping that fleet of tin up to date. And, and I think that's something that a lot more organisations are going to start thinking about: is, is when my current contract runs out, how do I buy my tin in a more flexible way? And how do I move away from it every five years to this? How do I do a rolling program that, as I need tin, I, I get it in. As I don't need it, it, it goes off the end of, end of its, its serviceable life, and I get rid of it, and I don't replace it. So this this more, as you say, more, more flexible and, and rolling approach to tin. I'm, I'm sure that's going to be the way forward because. Mm-hmm. Particularly when I don't know what's going to happen with my print volumes, you can guarantee they're not going to go up. They're definitely going down. I don't know how quickly they're going to go down if I'm a, if I'm a buyer. But what I don't want to do is commit five years to a big fleet of devices. I want to do it in a way that it, I can keep that fleet up to date with my needs. So let me take you in the direction of security. For a second, because we you're describing a world with this interoperable multi-vendor scenario, and you're describing then the the rolling fleet of devices that are they're there for their useful life, not necessarily there for a specific contract length. How do you how do you achieve a consistent security result across the fleet, or or do you see that there'll be pockets where security is different and the challenges are more specific? How, how will that side of things? Yeah, security is yeah, security is an interesting one, and, and obviously the, the the services we're putting together um, are, are working at what the UK call official level. So it's about how do I put a level of security which is relevant for the level of content that's going through the service, and it, it, it's going to be it's going to the way we need to deal with security is a number of things. Sometimes with some of the services, we will need to stipulate exactly what's required. And there's, there's some really good guidance from the um, UK's National Cyber Security Centre on how to, how to secure cloud services. So that, that that's something we're adopting for all of the stuff we're putting in. The NCSC cloud security principles, that's what we follow. And the good thing about those is that not only they talk about the, I'll call it the hardware, that's kind of like the, the technical security. It, that also talks about, well, how do I do a secure service? How do I make sure the supply chain's secure? 
how to make sure I've got secure people. So it, it, it's more than just the technology, which a lot of people on security in the past have focused very much on the technology. How do I encrypt stuff? How do I delete stuff? Whereas we, we, you know, the NCSC guidance is a lot more holistic than that. But again, the other thing that, that we want to do within the, the work we're doing is put more guidance together so that we can say to, to government departments, look, if you are implementing these services, this is best practice on how to secure the, the, the multifunctional device or how to secure the printer. We'll be putting the cloud service together based on NCSC guidance, but this is the best way of, do, of, of securing the, the print device and the MFDs. Um, and that leads on to another thing that I think that the manufacturers need to think about in terms of security and the cloud is they need to make the MFDs more cloud friendly. They are they're still held back by being devices that would normally sit on a corporate network. And and like we said earlier on, you know, with zero trust and software defined network, that corporate network doesn't exist anymore. So the MFDs have to, you know, that the manufacturers and the MFDs and designers need to think about, well, how do I make my device work in an Internet of Things type way where I've just got a connection to the Internet? And that, that's a big change to, the, to, the, to kind of like the, the technical model in, in, in terms of network within, within the manufacturers, I think. We've we've seen manufacturers approaching that in all kinds of different ways, but the, I guess the place that that I see most of it in terms of the role I have and how I'm exposed is is how you deliver an application to the device. So yeah. can can the device call out and receive an app on its own, or does it require a person stood at the device physically touching it, some private network server to deliver an app? And it's kind of interesting looking at the the age of the tin. It, it feels like that ability to do cloud services well potentially is a golden age for why you would replace devices because they will be far more interoperable, far more ready for the new world. And I yeah. think I think what you're describing in terms of the way that users will use services, it makes sense for the UK government because it's so large and there's so many different departments. But I think even small businesses, with the way COVID has impacted them, people are not going back to the office in the way they once were. And so having this cloud-enabled infrastructure where users could just turn up wherever they feel like, whenever they feel like, connect, print, do whatever they wanted to do in the way they could at home, the way they can in their old office or the new office, I think is it's an exciting challenge, honestly, for printing. It's going to be a new, yeah. a new vector of growth, I think, in a funny way. I think you're absolutely right. And I think, as I said, I think early on, is at last, printing is becoming interesting. You know, it, it has been very dull for a long time. You know, until recently, Windows printing hadn't changed for years and years. And now Microsoft has changed. And that's that's going to kick up the market. Moves to the cloud has, has, has kicked up the market. The fact that networks are changing will kick up the market. And, and there's, a, there's a challenge to the manufacturers and the software vendors. But there's a real opportunity there because it's something new. It's a different way of doing things. You know, the market overall might be getting smaller, but there, there is a lot of opportunity in that market for those that are prepared to, to try and grab it and not be your traditional print service that gets replaced every five years. Mm. I mean, it, it is a real challenge in exciting times, but it's, it is going to be hard. And you know, some, some organizations are going to be better at, at, at taking those opportunities than others. If I was to, to ask you around tips on running a print environment, so you're, you're thinking about 
honestly, some very complex challenges. But if I was to boil it down to a couple of takeaways that a, that a customer listening could think of, what, what would you steer them on? What are the kind of top three, maybe? Uh, I think my top tip, number one, and it goes back to what I've been saying several times, is, is don't do what you've always done. You know, if, you, if all you do is every five years think, right, I want another service like I had before, which is a bit cheap and a few less devices, you're never going to move forward. You really need to step back and say, what does what is my print service? And when I say print, I'm talking about print, scan, everything, everything around that area. What does it need to deliver? What does my organization actually need from that service? And then by understanding that, you, then, you, you can then start telling the suppliers and say, this is what I want. I don't want what you want to sell me. This is my vision for what my service needs to do to, 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 to deliver things for my business. So tell them and engage with, with, with those suppliers and say what you want. I think that's that's the number one. Uh, I, I do think that people need to get better in terms of within organisations of the various stakeholders working together. You know, for a long time it's been you know procurement and it should be procurement and IT working together, but it's much bigger than that. And it shouldn't be procurement going out to tender and then at the last minute saying to IT, oh, this is what you're going to get, or to cybersecurity, this is what you're going to get. It, it needs to be a lot more, I hate to use the word proactive, but it is. It's about all those stakeholders within an organization working together. But the real takeaway, I think, is think about what you want. Don't just do exactly the same as you've done for the last five years because things are changing and things are changing rapidly and your organization's requirements are changing rapidly. So don't think what you had five years ago is still going to fit. You touched on, on scan at the start of that. You said print, scan, copy. I think of them all as the same. How do you think about the future of scan? What, what is it that a customer needs to think about in a, an inter, inter, an, an internet-connected future, scanning documents into the back-end repositories? And how far do you, you go on that? Again, you know, a lot of people use the term you know, an on-ramp. So it's, it's an on-ramp into the digital world. So, you know, you could almost argue that an MFD be an off-ramp when it comes to physical printing and an on-ramp when it comes to scanning. So it, 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 there's a real opportunity there in terms of using the MFDs as a way of digitizing hard copy. So there is an opportunity there. And, and again, the other opportunity is once you've got that document in there and you've got it into the cloud, there's, there's a whole load of stuff you can do with it. You know, you know, you can process it. You can send it to different destinations. You've got a digitized version of a document so, or a digitized version of, of a piece of paper. So there's a lot you can do with it. So the only caveat I would say to that is that you're only going to need to digitize, digitize paper coming in up to the point where people don't print paper anymore. Mm -hmm. so, it's, so there is an opportunity there with scanning, but that, that scanning opportunity is going to go down because as people do less and less printing, how many, how many bits of paper do you need to scan anymore because paper's not there? So it's almost like scanning will go down at the same, at the same rate as printing goes down because people aren't creating paper. But I, it, it's, there's certainly some, some opportunities there. I think some of the scanning opportunities is some of the the lesser addressed stuff in the market in the last in the last. I remember I, I joined printing as a market maybe twelve years ago. People were excited about a USB 
on the front of the printer and I was like, wow, okay, we're putting a USB on the front of the printer and it's big news. Yeah. But in, in that last 12 years, mobile phones have totally changed the way people interact with content and, and the rise of Dropbox and OneDrive and all these kind of online storage systems, I think becomes a big question for how do I make it easy to get documents in and out of my organization, in and out of the file storage system that we've chosen to use? And, and I guess you're looking at, is the government pretty standardized around what they use for file storage or does that change by department and the requirements move? Uh, again, that's very much a departmental choice in terms of, of, of how that works. You know, different departments, and, and probably you'd find within it, within an individual department, there's lots of different solutions that are used. So it, it, there's no commonality there. But it's interesting what you say about sort of mobile devices. You know, why why can't the mobile device be the main way in which you interact with the with the MFD? Why do you need to go up to that device and use the control panel anymore? You've got a control panel in your hand. You know, and that particularly can be used as a way of interacting with devices from different manufacturers and, and different uh, organizations on different systems. The thing that can hold it together is, is your, your mobile device. Yeah. So I, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting opportunity. A lot, there's a lot of apps for printing, but they tend to be about how do I print from a mobile device to an MFD. Whereas I'm sure there's an opportunity there to say, well, how do I control the MFD from my mobile device? I'm certain that there are vendors that are looking at exactly that. So everybody's carrying around a high-resolution screen in their pocket. They're yeah. familiar with the interface. They've got all the kind of pinch and flick and zoom stuff built in. Can I do that in a way that enables a better experience on an MFD? Yeah. And, and frankly, can I bring the cost of hardware down, right? So instead of attaching a 12-inch display to every piece of hardware, can we remove that component and get, in a way, dumber devices, but with better integration? I mean, in some respects, you know, like you're saying there about the, the cost of the, 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 the interface, it might be you, you can have different options, can't you? you know, in the past, it was always what finishing options do you want? Well, now it's, well, what screen options do you want? You can have virtually no screen because everyone's got a mobile device. Other organizations might say, actually, I, I do need big screens on my device. They just become, there is a peripheral on the MFD in the same way finishing options are. It's almost like input options are different. <laughs> it's, it's a whole raft of food for thought, Keith. It's, um, yeah, yeah you're, you're looking, in a way, you're looking far into the future for the industry, but in a way, all the technology you're describing seems obvious. It seems like everything that it's just normal for us in almost every other aspect of our lives. And, and I think that's the interesting thing, isn't it? And you, you've probably found it is, is, there I say it, that the printing part of the, the printing industry is always lagged behind the rest of the IT center. You know, printing has always been, you know, the mindset, the thoughts are, are different in, in, in the print manufacturers compared to the IT manufacturers. And I, I think the hardware manufacturer, the, the printer hardware manufacturers need to wake up and think, we need to make our devices more like every other IT device. It's just another IT device. You know, it's different because the output is a bit of paper as of the output is a screen on a laptop, but it's an input-output device. So why can't we think of it in the same way as every other device that's connected to the network? I think that that mind shift and that challenge is, like I said, I think it's an exciting one, and I think it's something that the pandemic can only accelerate. There's... 
contracting volumes and struggles that print manufacturers have had in the last 12, 18 months, it's only going to get worse, but it's also an opportunity to really stoke some change and, and deliver things differently. Yeah, I mean, it's like anything. In most cases, you will get gradual evolutionary change. The things change slowly. It's only when you get massive changes like, like COVID that, that really focus the mind and really all of a sudden things that might take... It's like, it's like organisations allowing users to work from home. You know, so many organisations have said no, no, no for years. Then all of a sudden COVID comes along. They have to do it. They then realise, you know what, this actually works. So I'm not going to go back to everyone being in the office. I'm going to go to a hybrid way of working. Sometimes you need these massive events that really change everybody's mindset on, on how to how, what is normal. Do you have a view on how organisations should use and manage home printers? It'd be good if they could. Um, and and that that is one of and that is something when we talk to government departments that is something that comes up time and time again. How do I how do I manage output to a to a home device? And, and when we say a home device, we're talking about you know a kind uh, the user's own device. It's not a device that's provided by the, the department and is at home. It is how, how do I uh, manage printing on a consumer device? And there is a massive market for that. It really is. That's a real opportunity. It's not an opportunity to sell tin. It's an opportunity to sell the software that allows me to output to my consumer products at home in a controlled and a secure way. If someone can crack that. That's a, that is a big market. Uh, and I think it's an opportunity to deliver a service experience for an end user, which feels the same wherever I am. So I'm always yeah. using the same apps, the same interface, the same drivers to connect, whether it's at home, whether it's in work, whether it's in a, an office I'm not familiar with, my print experience actually won't change. Yes. Um, yes. I think that's kind of an exciting opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It really is. Well, Keith, thanks for your time today. I've really enjoyed that conversation. Super interesting to hear what you're trying to do with GovPrint and the challenges that you've got. It's great the way that you laid out that kind of maturity model and, and some of the challenges you see for the industry going forward more generally. I hope that's been valuable for the listeners. Um, thank you to, to the listeners for listening to this episode of the Office Print Visionaries podcast. If you like this episode, leave a review. If you didn't, drop me some feedback. Otherwise, there should be a bunch more information and show notes and things over at everyoneprint.com.